Welcome to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Jenna, and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institution. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Jordan Blau, a second-year resident at Baylor Scott & White Health and the Texas A&M College of Medicine. Jordan is from Northville, Michigan, went to college at the University of Michigan, and completed medical school at Northwestern University. He's interested in all aspects of plastic surgery. Jordan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on here today. So to get started, I'd love to hear about the overall structure of your program. Sure. So first of all, why don't I tell you a little bit about who we are, uh, since the name can be confusing. Baylor Scott and White Healthcare is a nonprofit. It's one of the 15 largest healthcare conglomerates in the U.S. It was formerly known as Scott and White, which started in Temple, Texas, as a surgical hospital uh, along the railroad, and it merged with Baylor University Medical Center in Dallas in 2013. So now you have it, Baylor Scott and White. This is a separate entity from Baylor College of Medicine in Houston. As you said, our affiliation is actually Texas A&M College of Medicine. Uh, we are located in Temple, Texas, outside of Austin at the original location, and we're a tertiary referral center, level one trauma center. Our catchment radius basically ranges from San Antonio in the south to Dallas in the north, along a network of community hospitals in our system, which basically refer to our center. So we are one of four competency-based programs, joining Johns Hopkins, Michigan, and Pittsburgh looking to graduate residents potentially five years rather than the traditional six-year integrated route for those deemed competent. So basically the, the thought process is plastic surgery used to be a two-year fellowship. It's five years in Canada. There's no doubt you can be competent in five years. And so when I look at my fifth-year residents now, I think that you know there, there's no doubt plastic surgeons can be trained adequately in five years. And so Basically, the program, you know, we're building the plane as we're flying it, and uh, nobody knows what the result's going to be, but the hope is that we can train plastic surgeons in five years. Regarding the training difference for the competency program, I think the differences are that we try to focus on more plastic surgery earlier, getting into the operating room earlier, having more feedback, more meaningful feedback with metric ratings on a case-by-case -case basis more evaluation heavy. Basically, the thought is the faculty will have a good sense of whether you'll be ready in time so that you can apply to fellowships on time. Essentially, it's the same training, but with more focus. That's definitely a unique aspect of your program at Baylor Scott and White. Of the residents that have gone through the program thus far, have the majority been five-year graduates? The five-year competency program started my year. So we are only now in, in the second year of it. There are four programs that are now two years into this program. It's a pilot program in, in the nature of it being potentially five years. Got it. So I guess we'll see how that plays out over the next couple of years and see if other schools kind of turn to this model as well. Absolutely. So can you go into a little bit more of, in your first few years, what the breakdown is like between plastic surgery rotations and non-plastic surgery rotations? So as, as a first-year resident, you're basically lying the foundations of surgical care of patients. Uh, you spend about seven months on general surgery, 
This is very, actually a very enjoyable time. We have a great relationship with our general surgery program. Uh, and then we actually get four months of plastic surgery already and a one, one month of, of research time that's dedicated. Uh, moving into the, the second year, we come even more focused into plastic surgery with six months of plastic surgery and then a lot of paraplastic. So one month we do burn reconstruction and general plastic surgery in San Antonio, one month with the head and neck surgeon for ENT, one month doing kidney transplant and vascular access, one month oral surgery, one month orthopedic surgery, and one month research again. So mostly plastic surgery and plastic surgery related. As a third year, 11 months of plastic surgery, your full-time plastic surgery, one month of research. For years four to six, you're also 100% plastic surgery, and your research time comes in the form of designated afternoons rather than a dedicated month. And what are the different sites that you rotate through? So the overwhelming majority of the time we spend at our main hospital complex in Temple, essentially we have a mentorship model with two residents paired with two faculty for around two months at a time. One of these pairings includes two surgeons doing pediatric and craniofacial plastic surgery at our children's hospital, which is located just a mile away. So you'll spend time at the children's hospital and get consults there as well. And then the VA hospital is a mile away as well, and that's the other hospital that's very important to our experience. We spend two months a year there, basically with full autonomy, yet we, you know, we have excellent faculty there for input and tips. We have OR and minor procedures, including essentially slow MOs and facial plastics reconstruction. There's a large skin cancer population in Texas, so that's really enjoyable doing local flaps. In the clinic, it's an excellent decision-making experience that prepares you for the real world after residency. Those three locations, are you're going to spend most of your time there. Can you touch a little bit more on the mentorship model? what that means kind of for your day-to-day work and what, what you think are the benefits of that model. For the most part, there are two residents paired with two attendings and you're going to spend a full two months with those attendings. You get a lot of continuity and graduated autonomy. Um, you get a lot of trust built up during that time. And I think it's a good and efficient way of doing things. And then you switch your Once you switch rotations, you're doing the same thing with two other attendings. But it's not the true mentorship model of one-on-one, but it's you're basically switching between two attendings. What areas of plastic and reconstructive surgery would you say that residents come out with the strongest experience in upon graduation? Well, I think you're going to be a well-rounded plastic surgeon coming out of our program. Uh, We have several graduates over the years who felt comfortable going directly into private practice. Certainly the bread and butter, including breast and body, uh, you're going to feel comfortable taking hand or facial trauma call in graduation if you desired. Uh, Microsurgery, although I'd probably recommend a fellowship if you wanted to pursue something like complex head and neck reconstruction. Regarding facial aesthetics, we do have a good amount of rhinoplasty and oculoplastics. There's a chief resident clinic, and now we've bolstered that experience with the Dallas Plastic Surgery Institute rotation with Dr. Rorick's team. Ultimately, I think wherever you graduate, there's still a learning curve for for aesthetic surgery, Uh, but I think you get a good foundation if you wanted to do that. 
Do you have any independent residents or fellows in your training program? We do not have independent residents. Uh, it is strictly a two resident per year integrated program. Based on our uh, increasing microsurgical volume over the years, we and including a unique head and neck reconstruction experience, which has become kind of an anomaly in the plastic surgery community. We have added a fellow, which will be starting this year, and we're very excited to have this fellow. The goal is to have this fellow teaching the resident. Specifically, we were looking to bring in fellows who are already competent at microsurgery and who want to uh, really fine-tune their skills and teach microsurgery. When you say the head and neck experience, can you explain what you mean by that? I think that you'll find it at many centers, a majority of the microsurgery experience is going to be breast dominated. Over the years, our ENT colleagues basically have really taken over the realm of doing microsurgery for head and neck reconstruction for those with head and neck cancers. But there are a couple centers where the plastic surgeons are still driving the reconstruction. And you know, I think we're very lucky that we are, we are one of those centers. And that's really more of a unique experience that we offer. And what are the research expectations like? And what are the, what's the support offered for your research? So we, we do take research seriously. However, the extent really comes down to the individual. There's not significant pressure but everyone needs to complete a couple projects by graduation, and that should be no issue, really. There are clinical opportunities for research. The basic science labs are going to be in College Station, so it's really not as accessible unless you were to devote an entire year to research. And we have a designated research fellow who you can collaborate with and unlimited statistical and writing support. You will have at least two meetings covered in terms of expenses per year. And your academic time off is is not going to count against your vacation time. So I'd say we're pretty well supported and uh, we, we do care about research. Are there opportunities for electives? Yes, there are some month-long uh, experiences. For Burn, we do go to San Antonio we have now bolstered the aesthetic experience, as I mentioned, with Dallas Plastic Surgery Institute. We are doing one month in Honduras for cleft palate work, and then now we're trying to add on another month during the chief year to work in Kenya. We're building a relationship with uh, a program that, that they're trying to start in Kenya. We're also working on uh, creating more of like an away rotation tailored to the chief's desire. And then the chief year overall is kind of, is basically tailored towards their interests. So instead of really following the mentorship model, they can say, I'm doing a month of microsurgery and they will just follow the microsurgery cases or extremity cases, whatever they're choosing may be. And is moonlighting possible in your program? Moonlighting is possible. I have mixed feelings about this. You know, I think it's nice to have extra money, but it's probably a better investment in yourself to study more, stay later for cases, or have that personal time. I think we have a very comfortable wage, and there's a low cost of living here, so there's not as much pressure to do moonlighting, especially when you can make income-based payments on your loans. 
you know, I, I don't think it's necessary, but it is possible. And I know there are general surgery and dermatology residents who do it, particularly those who are, you know, raising multiple children. And are there any particularly awesome perks about your program you'd like to share? Uh, in terms of perks, uh, the loops are are generously provided by our uh, program alumni. We have a microsurgery lab, which we get in starting intern year, and we have a limited access to that. Regarding courses, uh, we do the intern boot camp, as does, I, I believe, every program. During the third year, we, we attend the AO facial trauma course. Uh, during our chief year, we're able to attend a conference of our choosing, regardless of being involved in research for that conference. And now our relationship with the Dallas Plastic Surgery Institute, we're able to join their annual aesthetic meeting and the Dallas Rhinoplasty Conference, as well as other various industry-sponsored events. The other thing that I, I think is uh, not as common, which has been nice, is we do have a company match with a 401k and, and really pretty good benefits. And I think that gives you a really good financial head start on life. Now, I'd love to hear a bit more about your program leadership, starting with the chief of the division. So our chairman is Dr. Michel Saint-Cyr. He's a French-Canadian probably best known for developing the perforosome theory. Uh, he's done extensive anatomical research and he has expertise in pedicled perforator flaps. He was the former Gadina fellow and uh, you know he's involved in many societies. In the OR, he's an absolute magician. He is quite involved in the hospital in operating room leadership, which gives us good pull as a division. And he's an amazing leader, very inspiring. He is a yes man. I've never heard him say no. And he's incredibly approachable. And he does this all while raising a family and training for Ironmans. Our program director is Dr. Robert Weber. He's one of our hand surgeons. He grew up on the East Coast and was actually our first plastic surgery resident. And he's been here since. Uh, he's incredibly dedicated. He's one of the pioneers for the competency-based training. He's the ACAPS president, which is our educational society. He is the vice chairman of surgery in our hospital. He's really a great advocate. He's responsive to residents. Uh, he's highly invested in the competency-based training program, and he will frequently have us over to his house and his ranch. And He's a dad joke extraordinaire, and he's a Temple, Texas lifer. Is there any other notable faculty that you get to train with? So we do have an assistant PD, Dr. Andrew Altman. He is the head of the microsurgery fellowship. He is also highly invested in the residents. He's a yes man. You'll frequently find him operating late at night. Very goofy, very enjoyable to work with. Um, other notable faculty, Dr. Charles Verheiden. He's part-time now. And he was a former Plastic Surgery Foundation president and previous chairman of our division. He's an incredible mentor. And Dr. Dennis Lynch at the VA, he was also a former Plastic Surgery Foundation president and previous chairman for our division. He is a facial plastics uh, wizard, and you get to work with him one-on-one -on -one as a lower level in the VA, and he's a very funny guy. Now I'd like to hear a little bit about kind of the relationships amongst the residents. 
I think we have a, a really great relationship. We're a tight-knit group. We are not spread out all the time amongst different locations, which I think is really uh, conducive to that. We have a lot of camaraderie, not afraid to joke around. You know, frequently you'll see residents, you know, helping in someone else's operating room to get the team out as soon as possible. We don't have a hierarchical feeling. You really get a sense of belonging, and I think it's really the epitome of a team. Our upper levels are really excellent. They're great role models, and I would say they're second to none. And how much time do you guys spend together outside of work? We do get to spend some time together outside of work. Obviously, right now it's it's a different time <laughs> with this uh, with this pandemic. But uh, I would say, well, a call schedule makes it difficult to get the entire group together at a time. But we certainly hang out in smaller groups. As I already mentioned, getting to go to Dr. Weber's house or the ranch or weekends in Austin, or frequently having grilling at the pool or just grabbing dinner. Do most residents tend to own or rent? There's a split there. Half the residents rent an apartment and half of the residents choose to purchase homes, which are very affordable. I choose to rent as I do value the convenience of that, but you could certainly buy a house. And are most of the residents single people or a lot of married with kids or a mixture? I would say it's a split and I would say half the residents are single or dating and the other half married. There are a few residents raising young children, as are the faculty. So there are, you know, amongst faculty and residents, we do have actually a large number of children below the ages of five, probably. And is it necessary to have a car? Yeah, you you would want a car. You know, the hospitals are only a mile apart from one another, but you would want to have a car particularly because because you want to enjoy what Texas has to offer, and there's so many great places to go within a two-hour radius, basically. What else do you like about living in Temple? So I'd say it's a pretty excellent lifestyle residency. Temple's a very easy city to live in. It's one of the fastest-growing cities in the nation, but it's less than 100,000 people. There's no traffic. It's a five-minute commute, very affordable it just makes residency so much easier to manage because there's no stress outside of residency. There's no time-wasted commuting. Financially, you're in a great shape, and, and you could splurge a little bit. I live across the street from the hospital. You know, we do get a good amount of time to explore. Essentially, we take call uh, for in terms of weekend call, just one weekend call per month, which leaves us three free to explore. In Temple, what what I like to do is kind of explore the parks. You're going to find some gem of restaurants and obviously some world-class barbecue. Belton Lake is a really beautiful lake, and you can rent a boat or, or kayaks. There's affordable country club if you like to golf. There's vineyards, local breweries, Orange Theory if you want to do that. There's so much to do outside of Temple when you have your free time of the weekends. We're in the middle of central Texas. 50 minutes to get to Austin and two hours to San Antonio. To the north, you have 30 minutes away. You can go see Chip and Joanna Gaines in Waco. Two hours to Dallas. To the east, you have College Station, 90 minutes away. And Houston's two and a half hours away. There's national parks within 
drive. Friedrichsburg is is a two-hour drive to the west for wine country. I would say uh, if you like to explore, particularly outside or other cities, I think, you know, it's impossible to be bored. Sounds like you've had the opportunity to participate in those things, which I think says a lot about the work-life balance. Absolutely, absolutely. How has it been for you as a like more Midwest cold weather transplant to move to Texas? I love it. The winter is probably the greatest thing ever. I'm used to six months of cold and dreary gray skies. Just to be able to walk around with a long sleeve shirt in the winter is just amazing. There's sun all the time. It's just a very happy place to be. And the people here are just Southern hospitality at its finest. I am highly considering staying in the area with my own practice one day. I think that's about everything that I wanted to cover today. Any final thoughts either about your program or about the residency selection process in general? I think we have a great program and you would be well equipped to pursue whatever area of plastic surgery you desire. Uh, There are great people here and we want to continue to recruit great people. I definitely feel very lucky to be here. And I think this is a place where you can actually enjoy the journey as well. And I would encourage any potentially interested students to check out our website. If you do want a glimpse into our program to see who we are, I would highly recommend checking out our Instagram page. My colleagues, Dr. Novak and Labana, who are in charge of this page, have assured me that the content is, quote unquote, going to be fire. That is at BSW Plastic Surgery, at BSW Plastic Surgery. Check us out and absolutely do not hesitate to reach out to my personal email address at jordan.blau at bswhealth.org to learn more about our program or the application cycle in general. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Jordan. It was great to talk to you. Thanks for having me and congratulations on this work you're doing. Thank you for listening to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast service and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's doctority.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions or suggestions. See you next time.